América, no invoco tu nombre en vano. Cuando sujeto al corazón la espada, cuando aguanto en el alma la gotera, cuando por las ventanas un nuevo día tuyo me penetra, soy esto de la luz que me produce, vivo en la sombra que me determina, duermo y despierto en tu esencial aurora, dulce como las uvas y terrible, conductor del azúcar y el castigo, empapada en, en esperma de tu especie, amamantando en sangre de tu herencia. Me quieren agitar, me incitan a gritar, soy como una roca, palabras no me tocan, adentro hay un volcán que pronto va a estallar, yo quiero estar tranquilo. When I was a little girl, my mom told me this, there's no such thing as human rights. Okay, that it sounds so intense and hilarious, but it is kind of something. And that if she knew as I was saying this, she would have very, very... <laughs> she would protest a little bit of trying to understand or misrepresenting her. So a little bit of a backstory. It's a very special, sad femme episode. So my mom lived through El Salvador's civil war. I'll try to put some information down there, but it was a brutal war. She came of age during it, um, and the right-wing government was funded by the United States. Carter, Reagan, you know, Bush. Anyway, so, you know, after that, my mom got into graduate school for study international law special specializing in human rights she dropped out a lot of it was a confluence of things the environment of the school was very intense reminded her of the war but also once the war was over they were forced to take the peace accords of 1992 whether they wanted it or not it was imposed by the UN and which included impunity to all the death squads right-wing leaders and scum who killed 75,000 people why am I talking about this because Chilla said no to their constitutional plebiscite. The new constitution would have enshrined feminist rights, it would have enshrined equality rights, indigenous recognition. Thinking about Chile, because they were also affected by the United States foreign policy in the 1970s, and then they were stuck with the dictatorship of Pinochet, one of the worst, worst, worst violators of human rights as possible, so, so-called human rights. Um, and, you know, and they've had his constitution for so long, long time, and they had one of the most um, amazing constitutions that had the right to to knowledge, to science, to, to, to have the right to gender equality, to labor protection, the entitlement of a welfare state. Um, so they said no, over 60 
68%. It's, it's baffling. Because if you think about it, an overwhelmingly percentage of the population said, yes, we must get rid of the constitution, of the Pinochet constitution back in 2020. So they have to change it anyway, but what are they going to do? How are they going to do it? Or is it like, you know, was that just a thing that was going to happen? Was that... It's this new person just going to, like, make it into smaller pieces and hope that Congress passes it? These are basic human rights. What does the Declaration of Human Rights even mean, then? You know? If it's just so radical, so radical to have human dignity. Yes, it was kind of cliche. I started reading about the cell book. Yeah, I have on feminist, revolutionaries, socialists, feminists. I don't know what the path is moving forward with Chile. And it made me was stupid. It's just none of my business. And it's something that I started reading to feel some sort of comfort. And it helped a little. But also made me think of um, Pablo Neruda, the poet, the diplomat. He was most definitely murdered. <laughs> um, he died a few weeks within the coup d'etat that happened in September 11, 1973. That ended with Salvador Allende committing suicide. Um, but, you know, who he's like, there's this other poet that was very famous in the 20th century who also won a Nobel Peace Prize in literature. And that was Octavio Paz and Neruda and these two friends. But, you know, Neruda be, be, basically ideologically became more and more the opposite. Paz became a reactionary. Neruda was... Um, you know, supporting the Republicans during the Spanish Civil War and wrote a poetry book about it too. Um, wrote poetry books about the Soviet Union. I think he got the Lenin Peace Prize or it might have been the Stalin Peace Prize or maybe both. I don't know. Actually, I should probably check. Um, but yeah, he just wrote one of it's like my favorite poet, it's cliche, but he wrote this book, which probably have heard of it. It's um, 20 Love Poems and a Song of Desperation, which is, um, he wrote it, published when he was 21. Turns out that his first book of poetry, he already had amassed a little bit of fame, but um, this one just basically made him a poet, superstar, and... It is, there's some beautiful poems. If you can't read Spanish, I would still try the translations. It's worth looking at it. Okay, I looked it up. It is the, it was originally called Stalin um, Prize for Peace, but they changed that to the Lenin Prize for Peace. All that better for it. Confession, I just found out there's a poem by Pablo Neruda 
called Ode to the Onion. I hate onions and it is hilarious to read a poem written by your favorite poet who is known for having incredible uh, language for um, what I would say are like, um, you know, sensual imagery, just being able to feel it and just like, oh god, I can picture this onion so clearly. I'm gonna distract you and reading a few poems that he did called Los Versos del Capitan or Captain Verses. There is this poem called America No Impoco Tu Nombre Vano, which means I don't call your name in vain, America. I'm not going to read it. I'm not sure if there's a translation of it. You can try. I'm not sure if I feel comfortable translating this. You get like awards for you and stuff like that. And the more I look, I look at all the campaigns in Chile for the rejection of a new constitution that protects human rights. It's um, the CEOs of private companies that hold all the water, people who are descendants of Nazis <laughs> who escaped to South America. And also, you know, especially as water is becoming more and more scarce. I shouldn't be surprised. It's starting to make more sense, but still, it's puzzling. Um, but yeah, it just it makes more sense, I guess. It's a little bit more puzzling too, but definitely a lot of money was at risk um, for the ruling class. And when that happens, they're really good at organizing. Crazy good. Curse timeline. Okay. If you haven't watched everything, everywhere, all at once, you should. It's amazing. Um, it's like a really quite an amazing movie. And I watched it mostly because I read the story about one of the writers discovering he had ADHD after doing research for the movie. And non-canon way, I guess one of the characters was supposed to have ADHD, but the splintering all these all these universe and your attention being called to all of them at once that's a pretty similar to the ADHD experience just bring this up because i wish i could jump into another timeline or universe or place in time that split off maybe when there's a very end that was still alive would still be alive Polonaria because he was most definitely murder. Look into it. And other things. But it's not there. Um, I guess at least this one's a little bit of bilingual bonus. Um, so sometimes it feels like I speak my own language, even if I am speaking English. And yeah, my 
great toxic trait of mine is that I um, love TV tropes almost as much as I love um, Wikipedia. I know everyone hates TV tropes. I love it. It's great. I it's amazing. I think I think it's just so much fun. I don't know, but. It's a good time waster, and that's something I like to do a lot. Okay, but I was gonna say, cause I mean, obviously, you know, this it's a um, it's a I'm a leftist that I have a lot of beliefs that I'm not quiet about, but I guess it's more political or um candidly so I don't know because this is a one host only podcast you know it almost feels like a way of a voice diary archiving we're coping you know we deal with the world events we cope by hot boxing in our bathroom yes um but yeah, so there is this thing, and it's servo syndrome, um, and it's where like something that starts off as very comedic then ends up being super hard, um, and then it starts being like very very serious, and I'm just like, and it has to do with this print comic service the artwork. Uh, look into that guy who wrote it, he has, like, some problems, I would say, or the advert, or whatever, however, um, it's sad, but, uh, yeah, so now it's, like, hopefully it won't get too serious around here, I could never get too serious. I hope not. But, um, oh, actually, there is something funny. I had, I did actually try something new. So we can end with that. So I tried some sipple shots, which is done by Swifts. And one thing that was, um, it was, it's a tincture. So at first I thought it was just kind of like, I don't know, I could just like suck on it like a yogurt, you know, like frozen yogurt, little snacks they have as a kid. I don't fucking know. But, um, yeah. And they, um, so they are like a tincture and um you know as opposed to like um it was about 20 minutes hit me pretty good and i could taste it pretty good but anyway um it's a tincture but like the the grape in it was so strong that um i wouldn't add it i think it should count as its own beverage but I guess it calls itself a tincture. You can add it to a drink. I don't know. 
Um, but I was like, how do I drink this? Do I drink it straight up? Do I add it to something? Because I am very knowledgeable about everything regarding edibles or consumption <laughs> of marijuana. But I would try them again. I don't know, depends on the pricing. Um, I will have to say that I did like them and I guess, yeah, it's gonna be pretty high. I guess I'll sort of have to try again and like pay attention. But yeah, oh, look at that. We slot slid off the seriousness scale again, hopefully. Um, oh. hope that you have fun times, high times, and that things get better slowly as we march forward, or that they keep making stronger edibles, whichever one helps us the most. Bye.